You have to do everything you can. You have to work your hardest, and if you stay positive, you have a shot at a silver lining. He's kind of crazy. She's a little insane. Keeping energy really messes with his brain. One is the forest. The other's husband is dead. That's why it's so messed up in the head. It's a Silver Linings Playcast. Oh yeah. Hi everybody and welcome to the Silver Linings Playcast. I'm your host Jamie Ward and this is as far as I know the only podcast that is completely dedicated to discussing and dissecting Silver Linings Playbook, the film and the book book. For you for those of you that don't know, uh, Silver Linings Playbook was a 2012 movie written and directed by David O. Russell, and it was based on a 2008 novel by Matthew Quick, which was titled The Silver Linings Playbook. Now, Silver Linings Playbook is one of my favorite films of all time. Uh, who am I? I am Jamie Ward. I have been doing stand-up comedy for about the last 10 years now. I started in 2000. Nine-ish, right at the end. Uh, I don't want you to think that this is going to be a necessarily funny podcast, though. Uh, there may be humor in it. Uh, that's one of the things I love about the film, Silver Linings Playbook. I find it very funny, uh, but this is not a comedy, a stand-up comedy product at all. This is me discussing one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, why, why am I a person that is in a position to talk about movies, too? Well, I also went to film school about however long ago somebody who's mm, 27-ish would have gone to film school. So I don't, uh, it, was, it was before the film Silver Linings Playbook came out, though. So that might be an estimate of how old I am. I can't actually remember. For those of you that think it's important, uh, I am an Asian guy, but I've lived in America my whole life. So just... Picture an Asian guy on the other side of this, but uh, if you just hear my voice, just think, oh, it's just some random weather person talking about their favorite movie. All right, so let's talk about uh, what this podcast is going to be and about my favorite movie, Silver Linings Playbook. One, Silver Linings Playbook was, like I said, a 2012 movie, and so at the uh, 85th Academy Awards, which took place in 2013... Uh, it was nominated for eight Academy Awards. It only won one. That was for Jennifer Lawrence, who won Best Actress in a Leading Role. Jennifer also won a Golden Globe and Screen Actors Guild Award that year. Uh, the The film was nominated pretty much through most of the award different uh, uh, award shows throughout the year, uh, so it did really well. Um, it just it didn't really win many of them. It did get uh, AFI Film of the Year, uh, and David. Oh, Russell uh, got a couple different awards from some of the different, I think he got the uh, BAFTA or, or something. I might not have that right. Uh, but I think, so I think this is really interesting too. If you look back at the 2012, I never know how it counts, like the, the films from the year 2012, but during the 2013 Academy Awards, 85th Academy Awards, right? Uh, if you look at the other films that were nominated for Best Picture that year, it was a it was a decent year. I think uh, my friends and I that are, that are other film buffs, we talk about how some years are more competitive than others. And I think if you look at the list, which I'll read in just one second, there was plenty of of pretty good films that year. But if you look back at them now, uh, almost a decade later, Silver Linings Playbook is the only film 
out of there. Maybe maybe Zero Dark Thirty that I would think. No, okay, never mind. You know what? I'm I'm looking at this list now. There's like half of them that are still relevant. Anyway, but but Silver Linings Playbook is the the uh, best one of the list. Anyway, so at the 85th Academy Awards, Argo took home the the award for best picture that year. The nominees were Argo, Amour, Beasts of the Southern Wild, Django Unchained, uh, Les Miserables, I never know how to pronounce that, the um, French sad singy one, The Life of Pi, Lincoln, Silver Linings Playbook, Zero Dark Thirty. So I think, I think out of those films, like, uh, you know, I, I would never take anything away from Argo uh, being a very good film. Uh, there was a bunch of good films in there. I think uh, Django Unchained. One of my favorite Quentin Tarantino films. I think it had its its own level of controversy. The the thing I would give to Silver Linings Playbook of all the, the movies that were on the list that year is its sort of overall completeness. In, in, and it's also the thing I would take away from it, being an adapted screenplay as opposed to an original screenplay. But I think if you look at it, everything else falls specifically into... Uh, a, a different genre or category of film. And if you're awarding a, an award for overall, like what was the best picture doing uh, what film does for film, looking back, I would have given it to Silver Linings Playbook. However, however, that being said, if I was present in 2012, I was, but I wasn't part of the Academy, I do think I would agree and I might not have awarded it in the moment. So I don't, I don't think they did anything wrong not awarding it best film. In fact, the fact is, I love it so much. I've watched it so many times, and because I actually love it, not just like it or pretend to like it, I've found more and more faults with it over the years over multiple watchings, and I will discuss those in future episodes. Because I don't, I don't think it would be fair to say it's like my favorite thing ever, but then say it's perfect. It's not a 100% perfect film. It's my favorite film. And I will acknowledge, those are completely different things. But, uh, it, it, so it definitely has some faults. And I've seen more and more, the more I've gotten to know it. The fact that I, I still love it, despite those things, I think, is a sign of love. Not just like, I guess. I don't know. I don't know emotional things or stuff. Anyway, uh, we are talking about why it is my favorite movie. Uh, and we will get more into to the awards and stuff. We'll have different episodes. This is literally going to be a podcast only about Silver Linings Playbook and things related to Silver Linings Playbook. So there's so many episodes and issues we're going to get off of. In this initial uh, episode, I really just wanted to discuss, one, why it's my favorite film, why I think it's necessary to have a podcast about it, and what I really want to accomplish with this podcast, because there are some specific goals that I would like to. Two, I know that sounds weird. We'll get to that in a second. One, I want to tell about the story of how I discovered Silver Linings Playbook. I didn't just watch it in theaters. In fact, when it came out, I remember the trailer being out, and I thought it looked like a stupid movie. I remember when I saw the trailers, it um, it looked like it was going to be a sports movie. Uh, I, I thought it was going to be a lot like that uh, Mark Wahlberg film where he goes to play for the Eagles or something. He's a kicker or something. The, the, the trailer did not do the movie any service by by... I think portraying it for for what it was going to be, uh, it, it clearly it did fine, <laughs> right? Like I'm not 
I'm not saying it could have been a good movie. All I'm saying is that there's some people like me that really love the film, but I wasn't able to hook up with the film when it first came out because I didn't, it wasn't sold to me as a viewer. They made it look like a a really derivative sports movie. Some guy goes to the hospital, uh, overcomes, you know, whatever problem he has through some type of therapy, falls in love, and then goes back to play for the Eagles. If you if you watch the trailer, not knowing anything about it, that's what the movie looked like. We all know now <laughs> that it, it's nothing like that. Uh, but anyway, so anyway, one that was one of the reasons I didn't want to see it. Uh, two, I thought it was a stupid title. I still have problems with the title, Silver Linings Playbook. Um, I I always get confused whether it's Silver Lining Playbook or Silver Linings Playbook. It, that is one of those things that really bothers me, just sort of, uh, I don't know what the 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 verbal equivalent of aesthetic is but it's just it's not a pleasing phrase to my ears silver linings playbook it's one of those kind of things where i think if somebody uh you know likes things to be a little too patterned or something it i'm way way overthinking it but it, but that's what this is very true thing i don't like the title um i i would like the title more if it was just silver lining playbook and they didn't ask me though so, you know, I'm not a smart guy. I don't understand these things. I just know I really like the movie. Uh, so, yeah, the stupid title is a stupid trailer. So, for those of you that don't know me as a real person either, I'm a very sort of idiosyncratic person. It's probably one of the reasons I do stand-up comedy because it's sort of hard for me to operate as a, as a normal person. I got a lot of anxiety, social... Um, disorders and stuff. Possibly why I like this film so much. Uh, find it relatable. <laughs> but anyway, I so I um, I have a lot of weird little quirks and behaviors, superstitions I make up. One of them is that I I was never able able to use Redbox at the the height of Redboxiness when when those video rental vending machines started popping up all over the place. I wanted I wanted to use them all the time. I thought that was so cool. I had a Netflix account back when it was, you know, you mail in DVDs and get them back, but it was so cool the idea, oh, you could you could want to see something and just go grab it at the store right now in 20 minutes. It'll be there instead of 24 48-hour wait mailing something back and forth. So I really I wanted to be able to use red boxes, but I was too shy. And here's why. It sounds stupid, but it's the truth. So I just, I didn't want anybody to see me renting a movie. Um, I, f I felt really judged. I'm probably a very vain, narcissistic person, uh, but I'm also insecure. If you, if you talk to any stand-up comic and a lot of performers... A lot of us suffer the same sort of very contradictory combination of traits where it's like we want everybody to know everything we're doing and thinking all the time. And yet we don't want to be liable for any of the personal mistakes or things we're embarrassed about either. So anyway, I'm just I'm an overly honest person that 
So I, I didn't want, I didn't find myself able to use Redbox machines. I wanted to, but it's like I always, I always felt like somebody would look over my shoulder and be like, "Oh, look, that that guy. He's like uh, probably twenty-seven-ish and renting Scooby Doo. Either it's for his kid or he's really stupid and just checking it out for himself. What a loser! It's you know, it's he's at a Kroger renting Scooby Doo. One, nobody cares. Uh, I I should just be okay with renting a movie. It's okay. One, everybody rents movies. I always see people at Redboxes. People are still at Redboxes. There's nothing embarrassing about being at a Redbox. I just personally couldn't do it. There's a lot of weird little things. I I couldn't do it. And you know what? I'm I'm okay with the fact that I couldn't do it. So that's fine. Uh, I I wanted to though. So here's one of the things I ended up doing. I when when I go on the road for stand-up comedy, I often uh, a lot of us will will bring friends or some, or another comic that just wants to to ride along because we often go, you know, like 10, 20, uh, 24 hour drives to to the city that our gig is in. So that's a lot of time on the road by yourself. If you have somebody that wants to go along and you know take the road trip with you, one it makes traveling easier. It's always better to have a companion. Uh, you know, safety, it's just switching out drivers, logistics. Also, you know, it, it's more fun when you're in the city too because you get booked in these cities to, to do comedy. But you're re- like, depending on if you get along with the with the uh, headliner or feature that you're working with or the hosts or, or local comics too, sometimes you go to a town and, oh, there's, the local scene wants to hang out with you. And so it's like, it's it's almost like you get to be in a separate, a different home uh, for, for the weekend and you go have lunch with people. Sometimes you go to a town where one, there's no comedy scene or two, just nobody likes you. And so you have, you know, you might have like 48, 72 hours, uh, alone by yourself to, to, to live other than like the, the two hour blocks of times you have shows at the comedy club. Right. So I would, I, I was very fortunate. I have a lot of really great friends and, Many times, some they would go on trips with me. I I consider myself especially lucky because I have some really great friends that were not comedians that just wanted to travel with me because uh, you know I'd get free hotel, try to buy them food and stuff. So um, you know, and it's it's way easier to travel with non-comedians. I love traveling with comedians too, but like to have a friend that just wants to go because if you go with a comedian, then they're you know, they're probably trying to get stage time too, and you have to sort of balance this and that. Uh, when you go with a, a civilian friend, like it's just like taking a trip during the day. Anyway, um, I had uh, one of my best friends. Her, her name is Danny, and um, she went on a trip uh, with me to Virginia, uh, Newport News. I think we were going to Kazi's, um great comedy club that I used to perform at up there and while we were there uh over over the weekend i i'm guessing this is sometime after 2012 uh has i mean i guess it would have to be probably a certain amount of months after the start because silver linings playbook was uh one of the films that was featured in the red boxes so i i basically um 
I asked Danny if she would do the renting for me. <laughs> because like I said, I really, I didn't, I didn't want to do it, but I wanted. Uh, I don't really remember why I chose Silver Linings Playbook. I, I think, okay, so, so when I have this quirky behavior too, not only are there things that I don't like to do, but then there's things I will do as a joke, but I will do them so habitually that they, they almost become like, manifestations of of prophesying um right so it's like i'll since since i didn't think that i could rent anything from redbox at all i i was like well why don't i just rent something that's absolutely ridiculous from it uh because then you know like i'm probably not going to be able to accomplish renting it anyway so it really doesn't matter what the movie is i'm going to get something really stupid and it will sound funnier to people uh that that I, because specificity is funny, and I also thought that Sylvia Lining's playbook had pretty funny title. So I, I, uh, I got her to rent it, and she rented it, and it, I did not get around to watching it. Um, when we go on trips, we used to have so much fun, we'd go tourist through all the, the stuff. So I, I actually, I end up watch, spending so little time actually watching TV or movies. I'm probably the only person in the world that wishes I had, I could get myself to actually watch more things. Uh, but I, but I don't. I I love that they exist. I just I don't spend a lot of time actually watching things, right? Uh, but I, um, unfortunately, that that was not actually the time I watched the film. Though I'm just talking about the first time that I ever rented. Uh, I gave her the money and I got her to rent it, and then I kept it for a couple days. And I ended up. I think I even returned it in Georgia because uh, I kept. I gave myself time i i gave myself the opportunity to watch it and it just never happened went went all the way back to the red box so but but after i saw how easy it was for her to rent something from red box i'm like i can i can do this myself i can rent from red box so i then that that one time she rented for me that was the only time i had to get somebody else to do it for me i have been able to rent from red boxes since then and sometimes it's hard but i i can do it so i remember uh, i rented again Silver Linings Playbook, and I, the second time around, I was still not able to watch it, I just never got around to it, um, this is because it became, like, a different joke to myself at this point, that I, like, every, every road trip that I would go on, every comedy gig, I would rent Silver Linings Playbook, so it's like spending two, three dollars at the red box and never watching this movie every trip would be like oh this is my fourth time renting this film haven't even seen it yet i i I, three times i rented it three times uh so so those first two times i rented it didn't get around to watching it um so then then the story of the time i actually did get around to watching it because it was basically me fulfilling the progression of this joke that I now have going with myself, right? I still I still don't necessarily think it's going to be a good movie. I know nothing about it. I have just sort of tricked myself into this thing about I've rented it. It's eventually going to get watched because every the longer I go without watching it, I keep paying several dollars into knowing it exists. I realize none of this is stuff that a smart person would do. That is... I mean, but also, here I am having a podcast about this film uh, eight years after it even came out. Anyway, so let's talk about the first time I ever saw Silver Linings Playbook. Um, I 
I don't know the exact. I well, you know what? It's got to be 2012, 13, something around there. Because when I in, when I did see it, I ended. It was from a red box. Uh, the, I'll tell you the reason that it's that I'm having trouble remembering the exact year, and the reason I didn't do research specifically into what year it was. Um, the, so the first time I watched the film Silver Linings Playbook. I was uh, dating this girl at the time, and I'll just say, uh, like, I, I don't want to say anything bad about it. I'm not a person that sort of, like, holds uh, negative thoughts about past relationships. Uh, they, they happened, they're done, and I hold no ill will. I, I grow from everything. I love all people. I wish them the best, and, you know, uh, you move on from them. That being said... There, <laughs> there was a lot of things that were probably not the healthiest thing about the uh, the relationship I was in at the time, and that was a person that I we I ended up watching the the movie Silver Linings Playbook with for the first time. Um, I, I, I sort of I don't want to say that I got the film immediately the first time. And part of that was probably because I was I was probably very distracted while I was watching it too. So it was one of those things like, ah, I got this, huh? It's funny. Um, you know, but uh, I was more excited. Um, but one of the things I should have noticed too is that, cause I will always remember this part. Cause looking back, a uh, total warning sign that I did not see. Um, so, so Jennifer Lawrence's character in the film, Silver Linux playbook. I don't know why I feel like I have to say the title every time. Uh, so, so you might say that she acts a little crazy at, at the beginning of the film. I'm not trying to say that like, no, I don't, I don't believe Oh, all women are crazy. No, no, she's acting kind of crazy at the beginning of the film. So is, so is Pat Bradley Cooper's character. He actually, like we, we picked the movie up. He's institutionalized. He's getting picked up. So, so when I say crazy, I'm not using it as, as derogatory slang. I'm literally saying it is a movie about mental illness. And so, you know, there's some of the early interactions and one of the things that I, I find most adorable now about the film, but what was going on, um, cause so, so Pat would be, be running every day, right? And there's a, there's a great scene where he goes out, he's crazy, great sweatsuit and a, a trash bag over him. And he's, he's running his daily exercise and routine just to sort of get him in a, in a routine so that he can start being healthy again. And, and Tiffany starts sort of chasing him and popping up and, you know, sort of in, in a very stalkery way. Um, and I remember the girl that I was with at the time just being like, ah, oh, I, I, I get that. I like, I like this girl. And I, I don't remember that meaning anything to me at the time. <laughs> I, I should have realized that that, um, they're great characters, but like you shouldn't take the flaw of of the character and be like, oh, that's the best part about them. Uh, there's other wonderful things about all the characters, but most of those come later in the movie. Anyway, I, so I guess it was that probably later 2012. What what I'm saying is that, that that's why it's like uh, I don't want to say that was a traumatic relationship, but I, I want to say there was there's enough stuff that happened. I don't choose to go back through my my. Facebook timeline or stuff and get too far into uh, piecing back together the chronology of what happened because most of that's not important 
Um, I guess it's probably a testament to how much I love this film that I could have seen it right then, and I still love love this movie more than anything. I don't hold anything against it. Here's the thing. I, I, I mean, that said, I don't even date country music fans. I love country music and i have this whole philosophy that like oh if i dated a country music fan we would love the same thing and sometimes i would love to love the same thing as somebody else however if we ever broke up i wouldn't want uh that breakup to sort of like sully the memory of anything that i really loved like keith urban songs or something um i realize that keith urban is probably not the best example of country music i really i like old country uh music a lot actually outlaw countries chris christopherson we We'll talk about Chris Christopherson in another because I because hmm, I kind of think that Bradley Cooper is like my generation's Chris Christopherson from an acting perspective, and well, you know what? I wasn't even thinking about this at the moment. Um, but uh, they both star is born anyway. Uh, future episode, future episode. Let's talk about. We're just doing a broad overview of why Silver Linings Playbook is my favorite film, and and we're getting there. So anyway. I watched this film with the girl I was dating at the time, and I probably, I'd like, so I remember thinking, oh, this is pretty good as we were watching it. And then, then there's a moment in the film which it, it just permanently won me over, uh, and it's funny because it, it's, it's just how things happen, right? Um, it's actually, it's actually a scene that is catalyzed by the running scene that I was talking about earlier. Uh, Tiffany uh, basically tricks Pat into getting him to take her to dinner that night at a diner. And when when he gets there, um, he anybody who's seen it, you all will know. Or just if you're friends with me. On Facebook, you'll know I'm the only one that memes this all the time. Unless, unless I'm not. If anybody else is memeing this scene from and thinks this is the greatest scene in all of movie history, then please let me know uh, because that's probably my soulmate. Anyway, uh, they so Bradley Cooper, uh, his character Pat orders raisin bran during the dinner, and then Tiffany orders tea and. And Pat goes, why, why did you order tea? And she goes, why did you order Raisin Bran? And he goes, it's because I wanted there to be no mistaking that this was, was a date. Uh, and then Tiffany goes, it can still be a date if you order Raisin Bran. <laughs> this is one of what I, I personally honestly think. I think this is one of the best lines of dialogue in in screenwriting that I've ever seen, heard um I went to school for screenwriting, uh, spent way too much time and money on something that I haven't ever and will never do, that's a lie I'm writing several right now it, anyway at least at least modern day screenwriting and let me tell you what i love about this and there will we'll do a whole episode on this scene this line but i'll just tell you briefly why it won me over so much for loving this film and these characters there's so much that that 
quick exchange tells you about characters. Um, there's there's such a reality to it, too. I think I know exactly where where Pat's character, like where his head is in that moment, because I've and I think most most guys have probably been in a similar situation at some point where there's like this uh, situation where you think it could you could be getting sort of into datey territory um, partially because a lot of a lot of people don't they just don't don't say what they're thinking or feeling so you so you wind up in these these sort of subtexty situations and then you'll do something that you feel sort of can de-escalate the the emotional weight of the thing the situation you're in and he did that by by <laughs> getting breakfast and i it's so beautiful because it's like i understand uh where both of them are sitting at that table in the conversation. It's so real. I could see myself doing it. I could see other people doing it. And yet, like, I don't... And I also, though, um, I don't know. Like, I've I've been baffled by this. I, I often have left the Facebook question, uh, can, can it be an official date if you order Raisin Bran? Um, I... So I've had a personal philosophy. It's funny that I will say I will be so cowardly with things like Redbox and stuff. I, I have had a, a personal policy my whole life um, that I don't I don't wind up on accidental dates. I may have had a a, a couple times, but with with full intention, uh, anytime I have wanted to go on a, a date date with somebody, I have always used those words. I have uh, I have never on purpose ever been like hey do you want to go hang out and then just sort of hope that it's going to become this emotionally connecting experience uh that so i've been i've been in situations where that sort of happens unintentionally or where maybe some the other person thought the situation was more of a date but i i i try to be really upfront on my end that if i want to take you out i i you know i tell the person uh, would you like to go on a date? It's it's tougher that way, but I think the honesty helps helps all parties involved in in the long run. And then if they don't, that's fine. Then you know you can proceed. Then you have less of that weird tension, and it can actually help you be better friends if you choose to do that too. Which I think, um, which I personally am super capable of doing, and would hope that other people would see as a viable alternative to people that don't want to go on dates but i but <laughs> but i st- i still don't know i feel very strongly like that ordering breakfast cereal at a dinner thing um is oh it's really borderline and things and people have such different opinions on that too so if if you're listening to this on facebook or medium or whatever or, or uh what, whatever however you're hearing this uh Send me emails or comments or something and let me know what your opinion is on whether something can be a date if if one of the parties orders Raisin Bran. And is there a difference between if the man orders Raisin Bran or the the woman orders Raisin Bran? I don't want to think so. You know, I don't, I, um, you know, we live in a very progressive modern times. I, I think things can be very even about situations like that. 
I um I just want to know you know. So I think also um that if if you want to uh you can contact me by my Facebook. I have a Facebook page for this. It's uh, the Silver Linings Playcast. Right? Um and you can leave a comment or a message about whether you think it can be considered a date if somebody orders Raisin Bran. Also, I am going to have a phone number that is specifically for this. Uh, I don't think I have it ready for this episode, but we will have that ready in the future. Also, probably nobody is going to listen to this, so it does not matter. I will just be asking my friends this question for the rest of my life anyway. Okay. <laughs> anyway... So that, that is the story of how I first saw Silver Linings Playbook probably like eight, seven or eight years ago. And after, after that scene, the diner scene happens, that changed my view a lot on movies. I, I, I know this is going to sound stupid, but I want to say the impact of that line make me realize making me realize things about how good that movie was that movie making me realize how good movies can be right i i know i said i went to film school a long time ago uh, but it's weird because because of the job that i had i ended up actually going without watching a whole lot of movies for a couple of years after i got out of film school so i didn't have an opportunity to go right into the film industry and then i sort of strayed and going into stand-up comedy became sort of the second closest thing that I had to working in the film industry. It was still um, not related to entertaining. Uh, but anyway, I so so I, I sort of rekindled my love for movies through Silver Linings Playbook. Now, one of the things that makes me love this movie aside from the fact that I love this movie, things that that make movies my favorite, I really like like films that overlap genres, right? So Silver Linings Playbook is a film that could be categorized several different ways. It's a comedy, it's a drama, it's a romance film, it's a dark comedy. Uh, there's a psychological element to it. Uh, there's, it's, so like if you look back at the, the list of, Movies nominated for Academy Awards, 85th Academy Awards. Argo, Amour, Beast of the Southern Wild, Django Unchained, Les Miserables, A Life of Pi, Lincoln, Silver Linings Playbook, Zero Dark Thirty. Right? Uh, so a lot of those, you got you got historical ones. Uh, Argo, uh, Django Unchained, like, uh, Lincoln. Like Actually, they're, they're almost all of them are sort of stories from a specific point in history. And I think, I think historic films have always sort of been treated as their own genre. Which is kind of weird to me because uh, genre, I think, has more to do with multiple elements of how the film is made and like what, what sort of feeling it's supposed to give in, in the playing of it, in the presentation of it, when history really would more uh, cover the subject matter discussed in the film. Like you, What I'm saying is you could you could tell that story multiple different ways. Like you could have a, a noir film that covers a period of 
the the Civil War. Um, you could have a romantic comedy that was set during the Industrial Revolution, right? So I don't I don't know why historic is a a category in and of itself. Some people think of it that way, though. So I think um, Silver Linings Playbook, while while being sort of a contemporary story, it's set in the present, but also like it's it's not dated now because there's nothing really tying it to the specific year in history that it came out. Other than so, if you if you read the book, there are some facts because they talk a little bit about like Lincoln Field, and there's some stuff about. Um, the Eagles moving and Pat having this problem with oh not recognizing the 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 field where he used to go watch Eagle games because he actually he actually spends um I'm I'm thinking it's like five years in uh, in the institution uh, in the book where in the the film they don't really say exactly how long but they but you see him on the date like right when he gets out and then it's sort of alluded to that it was like a it was a temporary breakdown thing he found his his wife was cheating on him and then he sort of had a, a breakdown and that it maybe it maybe he was just over the course of a summer or something he was gone because they're school teacher and and so she was sort of like he's gone for the school year and he gets out and he's going to go back and find her uh, during the, the school year. He was doing her summer reading list, too. Um, that's, that's another thing. Anyway, so so what, like I was saying, this film really hits a lot of points in a lot of different genres. It's funny, but it's not, like, overly funny. Uh, the, the humor just sort of accentuates the plot, but the, it never pulls you out of of where it's going. All the jokes are played very straightforward um which is some of the most beautiful kind of comedy uh, it's clearly drama uh there's there's a lot of really great just dramatic performances the storytelling the character building um and because it, it's not really you know uh characterized by any other major um genre like it's not science fiction it's not fantasy even though even though there could be fantasy or psychological thriller there's there's theories proposed that maybe none of the events in the film actually happen, that they are all events that happen in play in uh, Bradley Cooper's head. Not Bradley Cooper, uh, but, but Pat. Pat's head. Um, that maybe he's in the, uh, you know, being institutionalized the whole time, and that these are just the events that he sort of imagines, and all the characters play different things and feelings he has about different things we will definitely be having episodes on that too um but what so the two movies i think this fits into two really important categories though one it is a love story but i think there's a second movie in this film as well and i think this is what really wins this film over for me so hard the the other film is also a relationship movie, but it is a friendship movie. There is an amazing friendship film uh, that's like a just a, a buddy film, you know, like buddy without the cop, buddy without the the cowboy. You have two people. Uh, it's it's sort of it's sort of like psycho buddies, right? They both they both share a mental illness as the thing that sort of connects them. 
uh, on a on a personal level, and yet it's it's not the thing that will end up connecting them through an activity level, but they become really good friends, even if, if Pat doesn't know that that is happening. And I think that's absolutely beautiful. I, I don't think that there's enough sort of honest, fair, and healthy portrayals of friendship in media. And that goes for everything. TV shows, movies, books. I wouldn't know that much. I don't read that much, but the ideas I get... Because I, I, I feel like they... That, Authors and creators always feel like if you have a man and a woman, they have to either go for a romantic relationship and have to be working that way, or there has to be some reason why that could never work, but then you have to put those places. You can't ever have like the beautiful confusion of what happens in real life sometimes with people that just vibe really well, and you sort of think like, oh, they they could get together. Maybe that would be beautiful. Or maybe they're not because I don't know why it just doesn't seem to be working out. I don't know. Uh, but it, it, here's the thing. That's the thing that happens in real life. It happens a lot. And it's not ever portrayed. In fact, this weird, like, platon- I'm, I'm going to use the term friend zone, but I don't mean it the way that most, like, really just, uh, uh, pretentious and entitled people use it i mean i mean it as like an actual beautiful space where people are beautiful and compatible with one another and and the borders of that are not strongly defined you can go from that friendship into a romantic relationship often i think some of the best romantic relationships probably come from having established that really good friendship first. I don't know. I'm really not trying to, uh, you know, therapize on that. I don't know about that stuff. All I'm saying is that there's this amazing human relationship that is not portrayed that often. And so I think that is one of the things that is so unique about this film. I'm going to give you a crazy example, uh, but I think it'll make sense to most people too, what I'm talking about. If you look at the the sitcom The Office, right? Uh, Jim and Pam's relationship for like the first half of the season. Yes, uh, John Krasinski's character has a crush on uh, um, Pam for for the I mean like the whole time, but he he really sort of understands the the boundaries of it, and they have a beautiful beautiful work friendship uh she's um engaged to to somebody else that they've known and and so he's like jim jim is not trying to disrupt that he sort of plays through the pain every day of knowing that 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 is a relationship he he can't have even though he he eventually does uh you know several seasons in but but being being that co-worker friend it's just like a perfect friend that you have when you go to work every day that was so beautifully written for a tv show like they they wrote that friendship relationship better than uh many romantic relationships have been written into films that were really great romantic uh because because here's the thing i think so much of entertainment and storytelling i know this from comedy right the best comedy it's about relationships. 
And when I say relationships, it's not all romantic relationships. It's it's people connecting, right? The relationship can be between a father and a son, a mother and a daughter, a boss and employee, friends, uh, schoolmate, something. But it's it's the relationship is the connection between multiple people. That's one of the most fundamental things about the human experience. It's the thing we want. It's it's why we watch movies and talk about them to other people. It's why I'm making a podcast and eventually want to share this conversation with other people that love this movie too. I can enjoy it by myself forever, and I will, but we all love to connect with people. And there is such a beautiful connection between Tiffany and Pat in the first act of Silver Linings Playbook. And I'm I'm sort of saying act. Uh, I haven't I haven't done a script breakdown of this movie like I often do for my own screenwriting or or TV film analysis too because because this is part of what I want to get at at this podcast. Now I've I've talked to a lot of different people about this. I I talk to anybody who will entertain a conversation about Silver Linings Playbook with me. There's two films. I've just said there's a romantic film. And there's a friendship film. And I am super curious to when the friendship movie stops and when the romantic movie starts. Uh, there, there's many different people with many different interpretations. It, w- one of my favorite things that I will ask people that are familiar or fans of this movie, I say, when, when does Tiffany fall in love with Pat? On my first, my first watch through... I just assumed, like like a stupid boy, I'm like, oh, she likes him. She likes him the whole time. She's flirting with him. She's being mean to him. Uh, this, I've talked, uh, and I really, I think this is this is one of the interesting things why you got to talk to people that are different from you, too. This specifically came from two different women that I had conversations about this movie, uh, both who had read the book, too. And I'll tell you, once I had read the book, it gave me some different perspective on this, too. Um, but that... And they were saying that in the beginning, uh, Tiffany is really just looking for a friend. She she is sort of offering herself to to Pat as a physical sacrifice, um, like sort of trying to, to use her sexuality to attract him because that is what she has had to do in the past to create human connection with other people uh, because of her, her tragic backstory. This does not mean that she was necessarily uh, sexually attracted to Pat in the beginning. Um, although, uh, come on, who would not be? It was Bradley Cooper, right? <laughs> but um, I'm just saying she really was just using what she had, but she just wanted a friend. She really just wanted somebody else who was broken like she was to connect like she was. Also, look at this. You have you have two young adults that are like just they're a little younger, about to be middle aged soon, but they're still young, and they're what they're going back to live with their families. Like they they had flaws, so now Pat is going back to move in with his his parents, and Tiffany is going to live uh, behind her, her sister's house in a small in like a uh, a little small add on house. Right, so so these these are people with like millennial problems. They have they have issues. It's tough to make friends 
as an adult. Do you realize that? Like, this whole problem I'm talking about, too, I think it's one of the reasons I think this friendship is so beautiful. Me as an adult, and is, uh, you know, a little older than 27s is, but uh, under, I'm, I'm not 40 either, right? Um... It's tough to make friends. There's plenty of places where you can go meet singles all with the intention of finding romantic connections. There's there's very few places to meet friends that that aren't just terrible and the worst places to meet friends. Any any adult activity that's it's like deliberately set up to oh, meet people like you that are also looking for friends, you're probably going to meet like the Seattle's most desperate people uh that you just would never want to be friends with. That might sound like a mean statement, except one of those things I am talking about is stand-up comedy open mics in which I found my tribe 10 years ago, and that is what I do and where I, I exist because I am that sad person. I don't know why anybody would want to be friends with me. I am afraid of red boxes. I date crazy people. I have a podcast about Silver Linings Playbook. <laughs> so, but anyway, yeah, that is, so that is the thing I am so fascinated about. When does the friendship stop and, and the romantic attraction start? Now, I think there's several different aspects to this, too. There is Pat's and Tiffany's point where they switch. I think Tiffany's comes way earlier in the film compared to Pat's. Pat really, he he falls in love with Tiffany at least a week out from the end of the film ending because he said, you know, he wrote a letter to her. There's there's reasons why we will discuss a complete breakdown of this in a future episode. Um, but what but what I want to say is this is sort of what I want the podcast to be about. It will be about different uh, specific issues. We're going to have uh, ones like an episode on on mental wellness, mental illness, uh, one on sports, maybe one on gambling, one on relationships. But each one of those, I'm also would like to have have the guests sort of break down a couple important questions that we're trying to solve in the overall arc of of the story of this podcast which is when do the characters fall in love with each other when does tiffany stop just wanting a friend and want to to have pat be in love with her and when does pat realize that that he is actually in love with tiffany because he's actually he seems to be very annoyed with her at the beginning of the film and then she sort of has this whole whole plan where she's going to help him get back with his ex-wife and that so here's the weird thing too right i do want to talk about the differences between the film and the book they're they're very similar i love them both they actually did a fascinating job in adapting the book into a screenplay to make it a movie i feel like the answers uh, for the film might be the same as for the book. However, I think the answers for the book might be different than for the film. And let me explain that. I know that sounds weird, right? There's so much more going on in the book, and the book only happens from Pat's perspective. And it, like the last third of the book is just letters written between Pat and Tiffany. 
it's it's formatted so differently from the film and you have so much more information. So I think if you had an analysis of the movie as to when they fall in love with each other, you probably could accurately apply that to the book because I think I think that interpretation uh, going off of the film would work for the book because they are essentially the same story. However, I think there's a lot more uh, nuanced level of of breakdown you could do for the book. So you might actually find a moment where where that the character relationship changes in the book that didn't even exist in the film. So one, I would definitely like to invite a lot of like any anybody that would like to talk to me about Silver Linings podcast, uh, Silver Linings playbook for an hour sometime. Hit me up and let me let me know. I'd love to have you on as a guest on the podcast. There there is no requirements for anything other than I would love for you to have seen the movie before. And it would probably be great if you had seen it uh, within at, le- at least a little bit of a refresher, like within a week of agreeing to be on on the podcast too. And so some of the questions I'm going to ask everybody at the end of the, the podcast, I'm going to ask uh, what what point do you think Pat fell in love with, with Tiffany? What point do you think Tiffany fell in love with, with Pat? Um, and then also, what do you think Pat whispers to his ex-wife, Nikki, at the end of the movie. That's right. Um, it's one of those infuriating uh, film elements. It's it's a great uh, tool in the, the movie. I wouldn't actually change it because I am a person that I'm, I find with, with ambiguity in filmmaking. Sometimes it's beautiful, but the the pragmatic part of me is very annoyed. I just want to know what, what did he say? What does he whisper in his ear? I've had... Some of my friends suggest some different things. One that is really beautiful, um, but I don't want to spoil that on this first episode because there's a lot to look forward to in other people. Um, you know that we're gonna have great talks about that. So anyway, yeah, that's <laughs> that's pretty much it. We're gonna we're gonna get close to wrapping up this this first episode of the Silver Linings Playcast. Uh, I do want to say though that also also another thing about this is I'm I'm going to probably be talking about mental health a lot in it because that's a huge theme from the book and the movie. There's some very interesting articles about the author's personal experiences with it, and there I've had uh, my own interesting personal like I'm I'm not calling my own experiences interesting, but there's reasons that I find this film so relatable, and the story. And why I think it relates with and resonates with so many other people. And I think it really has some very fair, and I want to say kind of uh, gentle ways to talk about topics that could be very difficult. And I, th- I think we could do a lot of um, just good things having good conversations. Silver Linings Playcast. It's going to be a positive thing. Never We, we can talk about negative aspects that come up uh, th- just to give context to things we like, because I think it's never, it's not fair to just say you love things and then pretend like they're the perfect things, even when they're not. I think sometimes by pointing out flaws, you actually show more love for things that that you admire too, because it's honesty. Honesty is that thing that is really, really important and a sign of love. But what I'm saying by this is that I'm not going to have anybody come on here 
to just talk about uh, the w- things they hate, right? We're, we're never going to have a conversation just to disparage an actor or a performance or a book or a writer stuff. We're, we're really on this going to focus more about things we do like. So I'm not saying that we can't be honest and not talk about things that may be weaker moments, uh, performances, experiences, but I definitely, I want this podcast to be a force of for good because it's sort of like the whole idea behind the the, the title, Silver Linings Playbook. It, it comes from this sort of like self-help concept that you have to work as hard as you can, you know, and try to keep a good attitude and then good things will happen too. So I could ramble about this forever. I'm not going to. I'm going to ramp this up for real right now. But I want to say I am so excited. I am I'm really thrilled. I've been wanting to do this podcast for a long time. And I don't care if nobody else wants to hear it because I enjoy uh, this film so much. And I get to listen to myself talk about it later. And then I can pretend like I am my own friend talking about Silver Linings Playbook. So if you want to be on this, definitely hit me up on my social media, Silver Linings Playcast. We have our own web page on Facebook. And I'm going to be having all the other social media. There's an email address, too, that I don't remember off the top of my head. It's Silver Linings Playcast. It's either at Gmail or Outlook. It's at one of the free ones. If you want to get in contact with me, Silver Linings Playcast. P-L-A-Y-C-A-S-T. Uh, just try it with the at Gmail and or the at Outlook. One of those will get through. Um, <laughs> otherwise, guys, thanks. thank you so much for listening. And uh, make sure to tune in next week or whenever the next one comes out. It's going to be at least regularly, but hopefully I'll do more. Uh, but I can't wait to hear from you guys. So until then... Uh, keep, keep on. I haven't come up with an outro phrase yet, but I'm going to bring up, uh, one that comes from another aspect of my life and I think is going to be resurrected at least temporarily. So blah, 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 blah. And, uh, we'll see you down the road. Thanks guys.